0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to our third episode on Infuse Health's podcast. This is Sammy, and today we have a special guest with us, Dr. Nekka. So, Dr. Nekka, would you mind introducing yourself, a brief summary of what you do and your role at Infuse Health?
1: Thank you, Sammy. Um, my name is Nekka Nneka,
0: Nneka Hanchin.
1: I am the Chief of Clinical Operations at Infuse Health. So I'm responsible for um, designing trials, for expanding the clinical operations department, for implementing trials, and for everything related
0: to clinical trials. So I've seen that you have many expertise in many therapeutic areas, and it was really awesome to see somebody with that. So I'm really curious to know, how did you accomplish this? How do you know so many things? Well, it
1: wasn't um, intentional. So I just worked in different places, um, different organizations, pharmaceutical companies and CROs, and they were specialized in multiple therapy areas. So if you're working in clinical research in those those companies, then automatically you just specialize in those fields as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So again, after my research on your many fields, I saw that you have a PhD and a master's in pharmacology as well as a bachelor's of science degree in biochemistry. But then I saw that you had a postgraduate certificate in business. So I want to know why you chose this and how knowledge in business helped you further your career or what benefits you saw this knowledge bring you throughout your life. I think it's important to understand
1: um, the business of the industry you're in. And um, why I did this was actually there was a free course (laughs) in the business school at um, SAID Business School in Oxford and I thought, why not take advantage of this because I was there anyway. Um, But it has helped me. It has helped me understand what clients need. It has helped me position myself and what I do to better fit the requirements of um, what clients we're working with.
0: I could definitely see that. I've been considering doing some sort of business degree too because of those reasons I feel like there's always just so many benefits to it so you just mentioned how you uh, were at Oxford but I know that you've been to school in many other places and you've worked in other places so I have to know what has been your favorite place to relax
1: to relax wow Mm -hmm. okay um (laughs) So we just came back from a holiday in Switzerland, mm-hmm. and my family has a little house in in the mountains, and that is it's just absolutely stunning. Um, we put off all electricity, all phones. There's no internet access, so all we do is just play games and go for hikes and grill sausages in the mountains. So that that is just brilliant because I can spend time with my family, um, and because there's no distraction from Facebook or from. Any other electronic
0: device? That sounds amazing, and I am very jealous of it. So, on the same topic, what about your favorite place to learn? Because I know you have studied in many schools. Um, not not too not not too too many. many. (laughs) Sorry, I mean at least to me, when I see three places, I consider that many. Fair enough.
1: Um, but my favorite school has been Cambridge University, um, because it's it's a mixture of being very homely. It's leafy it's um, quiet but it's also like a city it's also you can also get everything you need from Cambridge um, and it's also like a technological hub so you have lots of IT companies there and lots of pharma companies there as well so it's to me it's perfect and I lived there for
0: um, 13 years before I came back to Nigeria last year. Oh wow I've always wanted to go over in that area and travel and see and you make it sound super nice so <laughs> I think Where's I have it? to I have to get a trip soon. It's so amazing, yeah. with these places that you've been, worked, studied, relax, I'm wondering about the differences that you can talk about when it comes to how you have seen healthcare and healthcare systems, how they operate.
1: Yeah, so healthcare in the UK, they have an they have a universal healthcare system called the NHS. And the NHS is great in that it is accessible to every single person. So whether you're rich or you're poor. You have access to free health care um, from the UK government, so that's fantastic. In Switzerland, health insurance is completely necessary. So even if you can't afford health insurance, you can get funding from the government to get health insurance. So that's good, and that everybody is covered. Um, and even though it's expensive, it's, it's there, right? So people have access when they need to. Um unfortunately, in Nigeria, it's not so great because it's neither necessary health health insurance is not necessary, but also lots of people can't afford healthcare care, quality healthcare care. So those are the differences in healthcare
0: care. When it comes to research, because I know with Infuse you're focusing on the clinical trials. can you talk about any differences you've seen in? the amount of research or the execution of research, just how it varies from place to place.
1: So with INFUSE, INFUSE is great because we are pushing for diversification in research and we're going into Africa and we're giving Africans an opportunity to get their data out there so that when drugs do come out, they have taken into consideration the African population because we have seen that um, data differs. So responses differ in ethnicities, and in populations, so it's important that to make the drug generalizable, Africans should be represented in the in the medicines. Um, this is the only company I've worked for that does this in Africa, because other companies I worked for didn't didn't do that in Africa. So that's that's fantastic to see.
0: So now that you're working on the clinical trials with Infuse and targeting the African population, how do you go about executing a clinical research study as smoothly as possible when working with a population that has not had the most exposure to this type of research.
1: You would want to kind of have the same things that you do. So you don't want to compromise on quality just because you're working in Africa. Mm -hmm. But also you are right in that they haven't had much exposure. So you need to confront the situation carefully and, and really explain to them the purpose of the research and once you do they are usually you know able to understand that is for the betterment of themselves and other people in the future apart from that the same principles still apply so you want it to be you want there to be quality and quality is essential in designing the trial and in monitoring the trial as well you want there to be precision um, in data collection so that you don't make any mistakes the data you see is the true data and then the most important thing obviously is patient safety you want to ensure that every patient that goes into the trial is safe is is monitored all adverse events are are documented and all serious adverse reactions are documented and treated as well so you just want to kind of keep an eye on the patient and then again communication is really important between the different parties you want the sponsor to communicate their their requirements you want the CRO to be able to communicate back and forth with the sponsor. You want the site and the CRAs to communicate what's going on at the site as well. So communication is, is kind of the key that ties everything together.
0: So in terms of communication, do you ever see a struggle with communicating with the patient in terms of is the language ever too advanced where it's not translated well? When it, In any research that you do, is it hard to... Simplify these complicated terms that you may be using in a clinical trial?
1: Yeah, it could be. It could be. And that's the responsibility of the sponsor or the CRO to kind of break down every scientific terminology that the everyday person may not understand. And in the ICF, the informed consent form that patients read and have access to, the information is supposed to be broken down in as simple a language as possible. Um, You could also, the site or the research nurse would also be responsible for talking to the patient and explaining to them and also being open to questions that they may have. Um, If it's in a different language from what they're used to, there's also the opportunity for them to translate into their language. You can have um, a, a witness there. They could come with a witness or someone that understands the language, a translator that could help with that. So um, there are ways around it. It could present a problem, but there are ways around it.
0: And that's good. So with all of these important aspects to running a smooth clinical trial, what can cause problems in research that could be avoided but are often forgotten?
1: I think that quality is really important. So before you start anything or spend large amounts of money, you want to ensure that the Objective of the study. You've got it right. You want to think and meet with your KPIs and all your scientific personnel to ensure that what you want to accomplish is well documented and is well incorporated into the trial. So your endpoints have to have to make sense. Your primary and secondary endpoints. Um, your objective of the study has to make sense as well. And then the data you're collecting also has to has to make sense. So I think initially. It's worth kind of sitting down and spending a lot of time to get this stage right, and then afterwards everything follows. Then data as well is the, is the end point that everyone is looking for, and then it's important that the data be accurate, and also quality is really important there.
0: I can definitely see how those problems can be overlooked and forgotten, but yet how much they truly mean to the study. So with talking about clinical research, there's so many important aspects to making a good clinical trial. But overall, why do you believe that clinical research is important? Why do we need it? So first
1: of all, it's law. The process from lab to the patient is very highly regulated. And it's very necessary that once a pharmaceutical company finds a molecule that works, or that they think works, they need to kind of test it in clinical trials, so first of all with healthy volunteers, and then with patients, and whether it's phase one, or two, or three trials, they need to go through that process to ensure that the molecule will be safe and effective in the desired population. So it's absolutely essential, without that, all the wonderful advancements being made by pharmaceutical companies will not be able to reach the patient. And I want to um, acknowledge and congratulate everybody that kind of comes forward to to volunteer to participate in clinical research because they are advancing healthcare and they are making it possible for these drugs to come to the market. Without 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 it and without them, it will be impossible.
0: So, with you saying that there's a desired population, and then before that, in our conversation, you mentioned how. Africa is being recognized now that it's important that clinical research is also done here. Why do you believe that, or why is it simple fact that we need to diversify clinical research?
1: Yeah, so studies have shown, and more studies are being run that show that responses to treatment actually differ in different populations. So if a Caucasian were to take a particular medicine, and an Asian went to take that medicine, and an African went to take the same medicine. Um, their difference is in efficacy, so how effective the medicine is in treating their disorder, but also in safety. So one of those population subgroups may react more negatively to, to, the, to the drug and may have more adverse effects. So if you just do research, it's, it's the same with any kind of research, with lab research as well. If you just do research in one set of, let's say, rats just one rat for example in lab research you won't get the data you need you won't get a good average that you can then then conclude and form a hypothesis on you need a different you need a diverse range of people you know and in research it is people and so we need a diverse range since it has been shown that these um, responses and pathologies differ then we do need Africans and we do need everybody to um to participate in clinical research. And Africa at the moment is grossly, grossly underrepresented. So Africans form 17% of the global population, but less than 2.5% of Africans are represented in clinical trials. So you see this gross underrepresentation that is that is sad and is actually scientifically and ethically wrong if you think about it because Africans shouldn't be given medicines whether it's um, medicines for respiratory or cardiology um, indications that haven't been tested in their kind if it has been shown that their responses differ and that they could get worse adverse reactions so I think it's just an ethical imperative to also test these drugs in Africans
0: I agree with everything you said it definitely is something that we need to do better on. And at Infuse, that's what we're aiming to do is to finally bring this diversity to the table when it comes to all types of research. So with companies like Infuse starting to come out, and I'm sure that there are others out there, how have you seen diversity in research start to improve over the past few years? Or when did you start it improving? What's kind of like the timeline that you've seen develop?
1: So when I started my first job, um, in 2007 in clinical research it wasn't it wasn't a thing people weren't thinking about diversity so much but lately there has been an increased awareness with more studies coming out you know of these differences in ethnicities and just recently in March of this year the FDA came out with a draft guidance saying that pharmaceutical companies should consider and should have a paragraph considering the different ways that they have worked to improve diversity in their clinical research. So it's definitely becoming more common, and there's increased awareness. It's not what it should be yet, and I and I understand the hesitations about um, including Africa in any, any company's portfolio or in their program, but I think it's absolutely necessary if um, hypotheses are going to be concluded on and if you are going to be confident enough to say that my drug works, in all populations, I think it has to be tested. It should be tested in all populations.
0: So you've said how you have started to see it improve, which is amazing. And I'm mind blown that in 2007, this wasn't a thing because it just doesn't make sense how it couldn't be. So what steps do we have to take to start improving diversity in research? You've said that we've taken little ones, but clearly there are bigger ones.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think education is definitely a thing. I think talking to people about the importance of, and why it's important, like showing these studies and showing the data as to how different um, responses can be and pathologies can be. I think it's really important. And showing everybody, so showing the pharma companies, yeah, everybody that is interested in the data and would benefit from the data. So that's one thing, education. Another thing is capacity. I think for Africans and African hospitals and sites to take advantage of clinical research, I think that they need to be emboldened and they need to be sponsored to kind of take part in this research. So they need to be funded and there needs to be an increase in equipment and infrastructure so that they can actually do this research.
0: So when it comes to the importance of a participant in a clinical trial, it takes a certain amount of communication and relationship between the researchers and the patient to execute a good trial. How do you think or how do you recommend that researchers go about developing almost a sense of trust between the two?
1: Yeah so hopefully the doctor patient relationship is, is one that should be based on trust and um if the patient does have an indication that they're struggling with or struggling with the side with the side effects of a medication then if a doctor then presents a clinical trial and the doctor wants to help and clinical researchers want to help you know we're not doing this just be- we're not doing this because of the money we're doing this because these drugs are actually better they're actually have better safety profiles and they're actually more efficacious. So if the trust is there between doctor and and patient, and it should be, then the patient should be open to exploring the different options that the doctor presents, especially if they understand that a pharma company wouldn't exactly spend billions of dollars to build something that is not better than the last drug uh, or or less safe than the last drug. Hopefully, that trust should be there, and a the doctor should be able to talk to the patient. Um, and it's it's optional; the patient doesn't have to agree. Um, clinical research is not compulsory; it should be entirely voluntary. So, um, it's it's uh, the final the final decision lies with the patient as to whether or not they want to participate in the trial.
0: I like how you mentioned that with the idea to emphasize that it is the patient's consent that lets us know what they're comfortable with, if they're willing. Nothing is forced. Absolutely. So I'm going to change our topic of conversation now Mm -hmm. and uh, talk about Infuse and startup life and kind of get your outlook as an employee with Infuse as a company. Mm -hmm. So what do you like and dislike about startup life? Because I know everyone has mixed emotions about it.
1: Mm. well i really enjoy the excitement like the spontaneity of a startup the fact that each day is unpredictable and you're actually held responsible for the success of you know this organization you hold a big part and you you have a big responsibility um to ensure the the success of the cleanups team and that's that's a huge responsibility and i like that i like that feeling um you also do quite a lot because in a regular big organization your scope of work and your scope of influence is just very little. So if you're a project manager or director in a firm, you just do this little bit. But as a but in a startup you can go for sales calls and then you can help with the website and, and that's just not seen anywhere. So I really like that the experience that you know that is that is got from a startup. That means that there is a bit of unpredictability. And so there are calls at like 7 or 8 p.m. in the night and there's work at 1. And I don't mind the work at 1, but it's just that um, I've got two kids and um, I need to kind of juggle around their bedtimes and things to kind of make that not too disruptive for them.
0: Mm -hmm. I love uh, what you like about it. I've never thought of the idea of being more responsible at a startup than at a larger corporation. Yeah. I'm going to keep that in mind now. <laughs> Maybe I'll put out some new work with that in mind, who knows. Right. So uh, what working at Infuse inspires you?
1: Yeah. So I always knew that I wanted to work in healthcare. Um, and so clinical, clinical research is, is my field, it's been my field, I love it. And um, with Infuse, I like the fact that we are working in Africa And we are presenting a problem that hasn't been addressed beforehand. It's lovely that it's a startup. It's lovely that I'm fortunate to have a position where I can influence things a bit. So all those things, those different things are really inspirational. And it's what gets me up in the morning.
0: I have uh, loved hearing everything you've had to say about Infuse, about the responsibility and the spontaneousness of it. So... I do want to know what led you to Infuse, because you have this great background, and what brought you to a small startup?
1: Right, so I moved, to, I moved to Nigeria last year, and I was looking for job opportunities in Nigeria, and I couldn't really find anything that I was interested in, and the closest thing that I found was this application that I saw online for the head of PlinOps in Nigeria, and I like the fact that it was an international company, so there was a bit of relatedness to what I had worked in before. I also like the fact that um, it was small and it was a startup. And yeah, I, I applied <laughs> and I got the job, so <laughs> here I am.
0: Well, I'm happy that you're here because we are getting to do this great podcast together. So this is the last question for mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you want to see Infuse head? Do you have any goals or directions that you want to see the company go towards, or maybe specifically in the clinical operations department? What do you want to take on? What do you want to grow to?
1: Yeah, I think that the, the platform that we have is really, really great. And I think there's a lot of potential with the platform we have. So just investing in that um, time-wise and, and otherwise to kind of make it, make it bigger. And, you know, the decentralized model is very popular now, in the clinical research world. So specializing in that will not be a bad idea. With the ClinOps department, um, we are expanding our access and our reach. So we're getting different sites across Africa and it would be my dream. It would be lovely to have sites every single in every single country in Africa. Then our reach will truly be um, Africa wide and very expansive. And we would be able to then implement studies quickly And all around Africa, that that would be that would be fantastic.
0: I want to see that, too. Hopefully, hopefully in the future we can get there. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Nekka, for featuring on our podcast. I had a great conversation with you and hopefully, of course, yeah, hopefully we can have you again on here when we come back to Nigeria.
1: Yes. And welcome to Nigeria. (laughs) I hope you had a great time. Yes,
0: of course. Thank you. Thank you.